This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Foot Clan draft season is rapidly approaching. I mean, we're talking August is here in just a few weeks. The ultimate draft kit, our draft guide that's being updated throughout the entire offseason is available right now. You can get in ultimatedraftkit.com I'm telling like I just spent some time updating my players moving some guys up I don't want to tell you what I did because you got to go check it out ultimatedraftkit.com welcome to the fantasy footballers podcast with your hosts Andy Holloway Jason Moore and Mike Wright Oh, welcome in. Thursday, July 21st. The Fantasy Footballers Podcast back with you. Mike Wright, Jason Moore, Andy Holloway, the trifecta inching our way towards August when we will be a five-day-a-week oh, podcast. We are doing a live show in Los Angeles here on the 30th. And when we return, gentlemen, we will be five days a week. How did we get here? I don't know how time works, but here we are. You will wake up in the morning yeah. and you'll say, is there a show from the fantasy footballers? And the answer will be yes. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, AFC East breakdown on today's episode of the show. Some news to talk about. Doing some best ball breakdown at the end of the show with Underdog Fantasy. And uh, guys, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this. Just, just rip the Band-Aid off, yeah, man. Make it quick. Very positive responses to the potential deuce cam. <laughs> oh, okay. <Oof. laughs> so right. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how that reflects on the audience at hand that they were so into that idea. But um, you know, well, we're going to put the producers on camera very I, soon. I feel like they should be backlit, and when we finally reveal oh. the deuce cam, is just their silhouettes. silhouettes. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what do you guys think about that? Love it. Love it. Okay. What about like masks? Can we also contort their voices? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not Brooks. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. It'll be coming soon. Twitter at the FF Ballers. Mike mentioned it at the top. The Ultimate Draft Kit available right now. UltimateDraftKit.com. If you want to be a part of our fantasy football community, which means access to the Megalobowl tournament coming up, <sighs> extra episodes of the show. I mean, there's a lot of there's almost eighteen thousand of you that are a Soon part of it. I will wake. <laughs> yes, yes, the Megalobowl lurking 
from my slumber. In the in, in the shadows. That is jointhefoot.com. Uh, a lot of premium in-season perks there as well. But if you want to be a part of the community, you want to support the podcast, we are independent. We have been for seven years. That is jointhefoot.com. Let's talk news. News and notes from around the league. Just a couple pieces of news to talk about. Ian Rappaport said there's some optimism that, some optimism that Michael Thomas will be cleared early in training camp. That news doesn't hit me with a tremendous amount of like optimism because it's not a lock. And when it's not a lock after three seasons, I, I guess yeah. I just feel like you're going to have to do stuff on the field during the season, Michael. Yeah, I mean, this news really comes from Nick Underhill, who was saying that there's been a lot of positive vibes around, and he's a very plugged-in beat reporter uh, for the Saints, and he's, you know, he's he's shared when it's been pessimistic. So I do, I do care about this news because, you know, we're we're talking about underdog today. Michael Thomas has fallen yeah. so far, and I I you know look, he's going behind DeAndre Hopkins, who you know is missing six games. Michael Thomas has a chance to play 17. Um, I, I, you know, I obviously we want to see him. We want to see him on the field. We want to see him at training camp. It's been two years on an ankle. And so I think we are pessimistic, but it's good that the vibes are getting better from the saints. There are. Yeah. I mean, you're right. There are so many question marks around what it means to have him healthy that I think it compounds itself. Is there is the injury question? And then the okay, let's pretend he's healthy today. What does that translate to? How often do they throw the football? What is Jameis Winston's health, which also seems to be reporting uh, in the positive direction? But the over-under right now on Michael Thomas is 800 receiving yards. So that's where oh. the line's set. So, so that's the same level of trepidation. You drop Michael Thomas and you get 800 receiving yards, you're not very happy. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, where are you taking him in a draft? Very late. Like, I mean, yeah, but eight hundred receiving yards. You're not. I, I you know, you're going to enter the category of like an eleventh round. Christian Kirk gets you eight hundred yeah, receiving fair. yards. I mean, that's uh, forty seven a game. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, that being said, we all have him statted out for basically over nine hundred at least, um, which you know still is not the Michael Thomas of of old. I would never bet a receiving line on Michael Thomas until I know about the health. I guess if I had to bet it, I would just bet under because unders are the smart bet this time of year due to injury. Are you drafting Michael Thomas ahead of Chris Olave? I have been drafting Michael Thomas ahead of Chris Olave. I yes. would, yeah. Uh, and then this is some news. You know, one of the players, and this happens during the summer. Sometimes, like our show, all three of us ended up independently slightly below ADP on Najee Harris. One of the players that we have not been extremely – you know, you know, he's not a touted sleeper in the draft kit, but he's a sleeper that's very popular in the community right now. Tight end Albert Aguabanam mm -hmm. of the Denver Broncos. This report comes out. They spent a uh, a draft pick, third round pick on Greg Dulcich, tight end, pass catching tight end. And he's a stud, very good like, tight. End. I mean, he the the argument before the draft was, you know, Trey McBride or or Greg Dulcich, like. And I mean the the NFL went the the route of Trey McBride with with uh, the second round capital, but Dulcich not far behind in the third. And and so right now the trendy 
Albert O pick, maybe those expectations being tempered by the report that Greg Dulcich will compete for the starting job. And it's been reported he's the more natural pass catcher of the two. He's a stud. And also got first team reps. Uh, so it's something to watch because the truth is, is this is not a message saying, oh, maybe Greg Dulcich will be super valuable. Right. right. This is a message saying maybe neither will, which happens a lot. And, you know, Albert Aguabanam has not had, he's been second on the depth chart behind Noah Fant. So this is not like an established presence in the offense. If you look at Arizona and you say, oh, the hype about Trey McBride drafted ahead of Greg Dulcich, you have an established Zach Ertz. You have a well-paid Zach Ertz. It's more murky in Denver because Aguabanam's dealt with injuries. They intentionally went out and got Dulcich. They tra you know. So I do think that this could make it just an not valuable position. Yeah, I mean, it's it, Dulcich is not going to come and light the wor world on fire as a rookie tight end. No rookie tight ends do, but he can do enough to make Albert O <clears throat> just a, a bad pick. And there's a lot of you know, you know, you've you've got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. That's why I was off Albert O before even the Greg Dulcich news came out. It's like there are three, and like the, the I mean, in the fantasy community, we're like, is it? Is it Jerry Judy? Is it Cortland Sutton? I mean, that's and that's a fair conversation to have. And it's Tim Patrick is also very good. Like so, to have three like really solid wide receiving options. It's and two, KJ it's Hamler's there too. Two well, great. Well, we'll see if he's back. I mean, he's, he's going to be back. Javante and Melvin Gordon could catch passes too. So yeah, uh, the tight end position is not the premium one here for the Denver no. Broncos. And so, if I'm taking a late round tight end sleeper just to close this loop, it's a Cole Komet. Locked in as the one. Yes. It's uh, David Njoku, paid and locked yes. in as the one. Uh, so that's something to pay attention to when you're when you're drafting and you're looking for a sleeper. Any other news we need to We do talk have about? a little bit of breaking news. Okay. Did it uh, come through the old sleeper? Yeah, it did come through the sleeper. Uh, the 49ers have officially given Jimmy Garoppolo the green light to go find a trade. And <gasps> What? Yeah, well, like... I mean, you know how they were like, well, we, we had an offer of two second-round picks for Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo, which, okay, Kyle Shanahan, if that's true, now you're just a really, really big dum-dum because I, I don't think you're going to get two twos for Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. But it, it, that's also coming up again because of the, the injury or the, uh, the surgery that Jimmy Garoppolo had. It seems like he's, you know, he's been, he's cleared. been cleared to start yeah. practicing. So that will he'll be on the move. Uh, one way or the other, through trade, through cut, something's going to happen. I mean, if he's sitting on a dynasty waiver wire, he could get a starting job. He could be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And I do think it's possible he's the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Also possible. But I don't find – I don't know many other teams. That would be so unfair to Davis Mills. Yeah. I mean, Davis Mills showed everything you wanted for – a third-round quarterback. Uh, Not everything. I, he, they won four games, and they were like dead last in every offensive statistical category. So I think we saw flashes, but I would still understand a team and a head coach wanting to keep their job. Well, it's a brand-new coach. so Yeah, that's what I mean. Look, you can lose it in one year. Yes. Lovey Smith could be gone. Jimmy Garoppolo is much more proven. Agreed. But you said it wouldn't matter if he – it for, wouldn't matter to your branding. No, it would be lateral. I mean, I'm already 
I already love. Brandon I would feel Cooks. terrible for Davis Mills too. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the move they should make, but they could make. Is there any other team that even Kyle? Is there any team that you think is in contention for Jimmy? Oh, G? come on, Carolina! Oh, come on, <laughs> come on! <laughs> Just no, no one, no one else needs him. Yeah, that's that's kind of where the leverage is lost by San Francisco. I don't know. The Jets could use him. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't I mean, make any oh, like, sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense because they got a lot of good weapons like, and no quarterback. It makes sense, like if they want to, you know, win games. R right, 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 right. Yeah, but if they just want to make sure that the young quarterback there is not good, they could do. We're that. talking the Jets today. Which okay, well, I'm let's, now, let's do it. I'm now not looking forward to at all after <laughs> Mr. Davis Mills over here can't get behind the hope of Zach Wilson. But uh, let's kick it off. Let's get divisional. I don't want to be boxed into the corner of defending Zach Wilson. Then don't do it. But somebody has to like temper the hate on this show. I had to do it with Josh Allen once, guys. You did. Don't make me do it again. Well, let's talk Josh Allen and the Bills. Yeah, eleven and six last year. They hit their preseason win total. They were zero and five in one score games, so they were basically in every game because they only lost six games on the year. So they only had one game that was not a one-score game that they lost. That's impressive. That was a great season. Uh, their their win totals at eleven and a half going into the year. They were dominant on all the offensive categories: fourth in pace of play, third in points per game, fifth in total yards, fifth in pass attempts, thirteenth in rush attempts. Because it makes sense. They throw the football a lot. When you have a team that throws as much as the Bills, I mean they they just don't want to run the ball, which is glorious for both real life and fantasy, and yet you're still top half of the NFL, that means you play fast. You get a lot of extra plays in, um, which matters for, for fantasy. Yes, it does. Uh, their defense was outstanding. And the one big offseason coaching change was the loss of Brian Dable. Mm -hmm. um, you also had Bruce Arians leaving in Tampa, so you have a couple of offenses that were like well-oiled machines Losing kind of crucial pieces, but you got Byron Leftwich still there. You have a ton of stability on this offense, and obviously the Stallion running the show. Oh, excellent. So do you have any concerns about the loss of Brian Dable? No, no concerns whatsoever. I, I have no concerns over the loss of Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Brian Dable. The, Josh Allen has proven that he is – uh, you know, um, among the best of the best. He will run this offense. He'll run it quickly. He'll run it efficiently. Um, and I think <clears throat> you want pieces of it. Sure. What does that say about a Brian Dable? Who you can look at the Giants with optimism because of his arrival, but then we don't think it's a negative impact. And Like if you were adding Brian Dable to the Bills. I think it's more of like, so Ken Dorsey who took over, he was the quarterback coach for, sure. for several years. So, so to, to me it's more just... You have uh, you have a feller here who was able to learn under Brian Dable, and uh, I mean, I, unless there's something I haven't seen here about the Buffalo Bills trying to change what the offense was over the last couple of years, I think they'll just it, it, like there's definitely some variables of of Dorsey, you know, new at this, but overall, it's it's it, it goes to Josh Allen and your your confidence in him as a quarterback as just a just such an imposing quarterback who can take over the game running or passing so that you, you just feel confident in what they're up to. Yeah, he was the number one quarterback last year in fantasy, which makes it two consecutive years for Josh Allen. 
And I believe last year's stat total was maybe the fourth highest fantasy output at quarterback in the Super Bowl era. So this was a prolific year in a year where people questioned whether he could do it again. They lose Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. They add Jamison Crowder, O.J. Howard to the passing game. James Cook in the second round, a rookie running back. And so, you know, Josh Allen is that special type of fantasy quarterback that wins you your matchup. Mm Mm-hmm. He can go out there and put up 33-plus points like he did seven times last year. And, um, wow, this is stunning. Five weeks as the QB1, more than Herbert, Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, Stafford, and Dak he combined. Has, he has to do that again, though, if you're going to take him in the second round. That's that's uh, that's a lot of quiche there for a fantasy quarterback. Yeah. Uh, will he? No. He won't, he won't have that many. He, uh, will he finish as the quarterback one? Yes, well, he chance. Have, yeah, you know that that's how I've got him projected. But is he worth it? Uh, he's not worth a second round pick. Uh, I I don't think so. Not when you have uh, the the Jalen Hurts, Kyler, Trey Lance, mobile quarterbacks who aren't going to be that far away from Josh Allen later in drafts, and then you get a first round or a, a second round, a third round running back wide receiver and and build your depth around your team in other ways. I I still think it's a mistake to take him very, very high, even though I assume he's going to finish as the number one quarterback. Uh, Last quarterback to do it three years in a row, Dante Culpepper. Wow. So. I would have thought Rod. Oh, Rogers kept doing the thing where he was one, then two. Yes. Then one, then two. Yeah, he checked the microphone. Uh, Devin Singletary was the running back, too, for the final four weeks of the season. Man. This uh, th- so this is where it's good because Josh Allen not really confusing on what he's going to bring. What the crap is Devin Singletary going to be? Where they the the drafting of of James Cook clear indicator that they are officially moving away from, uh, from Zach, Zach Moss. Moss. I don't blame you for blanking <laughs> on that name. I mean, what a boring player. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, but they just the, the running backs. <laughs> thank you. The Bills running backs saw fifteen percent of the team's targets. That was fourth lowest in the NFL. Like that's that's not enough to give you a really high end running back one. Not that Singletary is being drafted anything like that. But him and James Cook are being drafted right next to each other because the fantasy community is like, ah, you've you have fooled me with Evan Singletary before. And yet he was so dominant to the end of the season. Where are you guys at in the the ADP of the eighth round for Devin Singletary? Is can he continue that end of season at all? Yeah, I've I've actually been drafting both of these running backs, and I like Devin Singletary in the eighth round. That's where you get a drop off from some of those great wide receivers, and and you're kind of in a middling tier of a uh, lot of question marks at wide receivers. You're grabbing a guy who was really, really good down the stretch, and yes, I they they, they before that was bad. Like before that, if you had been playing him, yes, he finished as the RB eleven in week two and twenty two. But in week before 10, but it, was, it was bad. Before that, the the constant thing for him, you know, was forty percent, forty four percent, twenty six, forty five percent, thirty four percent snaps. That's how it was to start the year. So yeah, he wasn't that fantasy relevant at the end of the year. Eighty two, ninety three, sixty eight, eighty, seventy six. They said. Yes. They said Zach Moss, sit down. Get, yes, they just did. stop it. Um, well, they tried somebody else first. Yeah, right. Matt Burita. They was tried there. Matt Burita. So they were. I mean, they were trying hard not to play Singletary. So it's hard to say that you know, through after three years, that this is a lock 
but the cost is very minimal. Yeah, in the eighth round, the starting running back for the Bills, I think, is a valuable gamble. Um, what you saw him do down the stretch, and it wasn't like, like, yeah, he beat up on Atlanta and New Jersey, but he also had great games against New England, Carolina, and Tampa Bay's run defenses, which were great. Um, so I, in the eighth round, I'm fine drafting Devin Singletary because he's not your running back one, your running back two. You're taking a shot at a great offense, and really, um, the, the same could be said about Cook. When you're late and you're drafting a bench running back, when you want a okay, maybe he, maybe they were scrambling and looking. I think both guys are just it's a risky pick that is worth taking because they're both talented and on a great offense. It feels a little bit like the struggle we've had in Kansas City in recent years, finding peripheral value where, okay, Clyde wasn't going to be just the guy, so then you do, do you grab Darrell Williams, does, you know, Jarek McKinnon get a draft selection, where you're trying to find that player that by nature of the offense gets a lot of opportunities. But the one troubling thing in Buffalo is that Josh Allen is going to soak up a lot of goal line. Yes. And they're not afraid to throw the ball to maybe the most reliable pass catcher in the game and Stephon Diggs around the, the goal line. So Diggs, very safe. Being drafted in the top of the second round everywhere. Yeah, and, and I've I've taken him at the end of the first a couple of times. I think he should be in the conversation to me with the top three guys, the Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson trifecta digs. You know, there's there's a lot of lost targets to this offense. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Cole Beasley is gone. And so, obviously, we've had so much offseason talk about Gabriel Davis. I love Gabriel Davis, depending on where he's being drafted, which is <laughs> sure. wildly different depending on what platform you're on. But I think Diggs is just – he's guaranteed to be great. He could have had more touchdowns than he had last year based on his, you know, in-zone targets and is just – you know, they just paid him a ton of money, too. So I, I love grabbing Diggs if he's in the second round. Gabe Davis, we call him the 35 reception man because that's what he's done both of his first two years. He's going to need to do a lot more than 35, uh, put up a lot more than 35 receptions to deliver this year on the promise, but it's that potential third-year breakout. It's the uh, explosiveness we saw in the very end of the season when he saw most of the snaps. He saw it in the the playoff, what was it, a four-touchdown game? Like, mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, a lot of things have to bounce the right way of not just a player having a great game. You need other people to screw up and, and help you get to that point. But it was the same thing as the as Devin Singletary where the team favored Emmanuel Sanders, which at the beginning of the season, Emmanuel Sanders had some juice. He was helping that team out. And then as the season progressed, the snaps started to go up and up for Gabe Davis and he looks like he is a full-time player, you know, bigger, uh, like not not huge, but 6'2", 210. That's, I mean, that's a decent-sized wide receiver. And for me, the Gabe Davis situation is not even, like, arguing, is, is Gabe Davis a great top-tier wide receiver? I, I don't care. Do the Bills view him as their second wide receiver because Josh Allen is going to throw a whole bunch of touchdowns and and yardage. So I think that Gabe Davis, as long as the ADP is not out of control, which in your home league, if you're listening right now and you got a home league draft in August, he should be at the point where it is well worth the the risk of his ADP. Just be be careful. Don't get out of control and let the, the hopes and dreams of what Gabe Davis can become have you drafting him in like the fifth round when you have 
true known number one wide receiver still on the board. Yeah, and in underdog, he is, I mean, you're getting him at the beginning of the fourth sometimes. Yeah, that's, yeah, no thank you. His ADP is 43.5 right now, and it's, I mean, what it says to me, you know, the the sharp minds, the money there is, is in on Gabriel Davis, and I don't think he returns like when you take that pick, he has to be great. You're basically drafting yes, his ceiling. No, but in your home leagues, the, your your fantasy football leagues, he's going to be there in the sixth, seventh round, and I will I would scoop that up left left and right. What, about, reminds, what about center? Not center. Well, we'd need three rounds for that. Oh, be, you know what I mean? Okay. So it's like sixth round play on left, slot. seventh round right, eighth round would be the center. Okay. okay, uh, okay. It reminds me a little bit of the the, the Marvin Jones. I mean, Marvin Jones was the big touchdown target in Cincinnati before he had an opportunity for more snaps. He had two four touchdown games on that team. Gabe Davis, uh, like you said, if, if he's in the seventh eighth round, then yes, it's going to be interesting. Jamison Crowder will be interesting under the same premise. I mean, if Cole Beasley was a relevant fantasy asset with a 19% target share and he's being replaced by a younger-than-you-think-he-is Jamison Crowder. Wait. Well, do you want to guess? I do. Okay. Because I, I would I would have been sure, like, he's 28. Oh, then you are uh, yeah. under. <laughs> yeah, he's so, twenty. he's 29. So oh. older than you expected. Oh, okay. Uh, so, okay. Well, 29 is not a young – I was just really surprised – yeah, but he's been around the block yeah. a lot. I mean, you, I, you would have been thinking, you know, 31, 32-year-old receiver with the career he's had. Compared to Cole Beasley, who is 33, spring chicken. There you go. I mean, that's a good example. Uh, oh, also, my goodness. Also, Dawson Knox is part of this offense and had a breakout year last year. I'm looking at Jamison Crowder's profile on thefantasyfootballers.com. I totally forgot. Remember when he was Jamison Target? <laughs> What? We that was just, his name? Yeah, that we had. There was the year because he was getting so many freaking targets in Washington. <laughs> no, I don't even remember that. <laughs> what a bad nickname! Why would we do that, Jameson Target? In the moment, it was great, Jason. Yeah, it sounds so bad now. Well, because he's not getting targets. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, or one, because it wasn't targets. It was just Jameson Target. I, it'll be interesting <laughs> because Gabe Davis, like I said, is, thirty-five is the reception peak of his career so if it doesn't come to fruition if he ends up being a lower volume touchdown kind of wide receiver which is very possible Jameson Crowder and Dawson Knox could be uh, more involved than we saw last year sharing some of that Cole Beasley target share yeah I mean the reality here is uh, it could have been summed up and not even Jameson targets no just target Jameson targets sounds okay yeah Jameson target is like that's the that is the that's the new line coming out, right? Like at Target, <laughs> this J- is the Target. Jameson targets at in, like in the city of Jameson. Have you guys mm. been to the Jameson Target? <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it sounds like to me. But basically, draft bills. Dawson yeah, sure, Knox sure. is the tight end t- uh, nine right now. Okay, are you I'm, comfortable there in the ninth round? I yes. Would I'm, you take the shot? I'm willing to do that. Yes. They do start the year on the road against the defending Super Bowl champion, so that'll be a fun game. All right, quick break. Back with the Patriots. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Some things may seem small at the time, but when you keep them inside, when you keep everything bottled up, you leave those emotions to fester, and they can have some serious negative consequences. I know when I was younger, you know, you don't want to always say what's on your mind. You don't want to be seen as ungrateful or insensitive or whatever, but sometimes... 
you bottle those things up too long and they develop into real problems. Talking things out, working through what's weighing you down, it is more helpful than you realize. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. I've had therapy. I've had practical, personal advances through therapy, whether I'm learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries personally, how to make better habits in my life. There's a lot of benefit, and you can give BetterHelp a try if you've been thinking of starting therapy. It's entirely online. It's convenient and flexible. It's also easy to get started. You just fill out one brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash footballers to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash footballers. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. It's no secret we get deep on football here to the point where, yeah, maybe I, I might lose track of a few other things like subscriptions. I mean, do you know how many you've got right now? Probably not, but our sponsor, Rocket Money, can help. I've been a longtime user of Rocket Money. I love it. I get pop-ups all the time checking in on my finances. Things like subscriptions like, hey, you should probably go through your subscriptions and, and just make sure that everything is on the up and up. And I go and I check and I review every single time. And sometimes, every once in a while, boom, there's a subscription that I forgot about that I don't use anymore. Thank you, Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash footballers. That's rocketmoney.com slash footballers. Rocketmoney.com slash footballers. New England, 10-7 and seven last year with a preseason win total of nine, so they outperformed that. Three and three in one score games. They're projected for eight and a half wins, so that went down. Yeah, uh, nonsense. Which, which could be a product of... Dolphins are Dolphins, better. yeah, the Dolphins. And the, Bill, the Bills' win projection is up. Yeah. Dolphins' win projection is up. I, I'm fairly sure of that. Maybe it's the same as last year, but... New England last year, sixth in points per game. Does that compute with no. what you saw on the field? No, it does not. Yeah, the, it to, as, a, as a team, they scored a lot, it, but this isn't one of those fast-paced teams. And so for fantasy, you didn't get as many plays run. It was, it was very efficient. I mean, tons of field goals, right? Nick Folk was great. Oh, I forgot Damian Harris was out of – like, Damian Harris was 15 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, 15 rushing. Oh, baby. I mean, it was a really slow style of we are going to play old-school smash-mouth football and defense, mm -hmm. have a game manager in rookie Mac Jones who did everything they asked him to do very efficiently um, for a rookie. And the question now is, is this going to be a similar – style of offense is this going to be a slow smash you in the mouth type of team or with year two Mac Jones do they start opening things up more do they allow you know they went and they got Devontae Parker they drafted the fastest player in the draft at wide receiver uh in Taekwon and so do they open up 
the passing game and speed up a little bit, or do you think it's still molasses? Yeah, I mean, twenty eighth in pace of play last year, and I don't expect much different. I really don't. You're, you're going to be more effective with a second year quarterback and those weapons. But, I mean, they were 14th in passing yards. Do I think it's going up? No, they're going to be middle of the pack, I think, in that department. They know how to run the football. But, you know, part of that points per game is they blow people out. They've had these games where they dominate on the defensive side, second in points against, 54-13, to 45-7. So when the going was good, it was yeah. good. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, it's still very hard to – each position group is very difficult to break down. Like, I'll take Devontae Parker over the rest. Me too. I'll take Damian Harris over the rest. I will as well. But I don't know if – I mean, let, let me see where the draft cost of Damian Harris is right now. Six-round pick, RB26 after a 15-touchdown season. I believe it's the final year of his contract. Is that yes, right? It is. Um, which is – I mean, that's the – what? Josh Jacobs is in that situation too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, he's a great runner. Doesn't catch the football. I'm not too concerned about James White, James White's return because of the injury and just I don't know how involved he'll be, but Ramondre Stevenson was very impressive. He Ramondre Stevenson is very interesting because uh, you're at that you're at the point in the double digit rounds where the starting running backs are long gone, and if you're just trying to look for some depth of, I can see I can see the path forward for Ramondre Stevenson to be great because on the field he was he was excellent he. He can be a pass catcher. If James White is going to miss time, I, it's very possible that they turn to Stevenson for that type of the role in the short term. And then Damian Harris is always, like most Patriot running backs, one or two fumbles away from, well, we're going to put Stevenson in now and see what happens. But you get those, you get some some high-scoring games and and someone with juice, a younger player, Stevenson in the 10th, I I think it's worth taking a shot. You're going to have to hold on and see what happens, so that you're you're probably taking up a roster spot for a few weeks. But I I think he can really elevate a team towards the second half because of how he played when Damian Harris was injured, which is another concern for Damian Harris. I you started to see the way they were going to use these guys, which they would just give a drive to Ramondre. It would be a full drive. It would be right. first, second, and third down to Ramondre Stevenson. You also saw games where they had it, you know, it was out of hand and they'd take Damian Harris out for the second half or for the fourth quarter. So it's not fun to try to figure that out uh, each and every week. So that's why you see the depleted, like for a team that runs the ball as much as they do, to see their first running back off the board in the sixth round. Yes. Who was the running back 13 last year with 15 touchdowns. It is a little weird. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, because here, here's the reality with Damian Harris. There is a team that Damian Harris is a great draft pick for. Uh, Damian Harris is not – look, it's not going to get better than last year because he doesn't catch the ball. Mm -hmm. He's not going up from 15 touchdowns. So last year was peak Damian Harris his best year of his career. But if you're telling me 10 touchdowns and a lot of serviceable, usable, startable weeks that you can grab in the sixth round – depending on how you built your team, if you went wide receiver heavy and you've got four awesome stud wide receivers to start, well, you could plug Damian Harris in there and know, look, I'm not trying to swing for the fences and get the running back five here, but I'm there's just, a – I'm just taking a single. But there, Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to put okay. my wide receivers on the bases and just bring in runs. Um, I love you having to do baseball references. <laughs> it It felt like I was putting my hand on a cheese grater. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it was not a good time. Well, uh, but like 
But moving it or just resting? It? No, no, you no. Can rest no, on a cheese good slide. No. Okay. A good slide. Uh, I'm going to need several little band-aids. Just tons of little band Just so many little cuts. But the reality is, knowing that he isn't that swing for the fences, he's not going to be better. I have. I don't think I've drafted Damian Harris once because where not. he's going. Rashad Penny or Damian Harris? I would take Damian Harris for the offense, the touchdowns, and all of that. But it's where it, where he's going. It's the other positions. It's Jalen Hurts. It's uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. It's guys that I just I like better at other positions in that sixth round than than Damian Harris. And I'll come back and grab Ramondre in the tenth. No one spends more money on their wide receiver and tight end room than, than New England. They have more money spent there than any other team in football. Yet, if I ask the question, is there one player from the wide receiver room or the tight end room that you'll start every week, can you give me a name? No. That will be locked into your lineup? No. I mean, is there I, one drafted inside the top 10 rounds? No. 11 rounds? No. I do really like Hunter Henry in best ball because you know he is a touchdown monster. Uh, they they you know looked his way last year. He's got a long history. I mean he's he's been good for fantasy most of his career. So I think he's a good pick in the eleventh round. It's it's rare for someone who um, was a real you know positive value player last year to still be drafted so low. So I like I like Henry and I would agree with you. I'm taking Parker over Jacoby Myers. He, which was the worst offseason signing last year? Johnny Smith for the money he got paid leaving Tennessee or Julio Jones for the money he got the trade that they did to acquire him? I John. mean, oh, I would, I would say Julio. Like, Johnny, because we're looking at things from a fantasy football perspective, we're not looking at it as blocking. He was, he was relegated to being a blocking tight end and – the team was eighth in rushing yards and second in rushing touchdowns. I mean, he he helped the team. He just doesn't help our teams. Right. The Dolphins were nine and eight last year. They started one and seven. And unlike Mike's fantasy team, they rallied in hey. the second half of the year. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the rally was not enough to keep Brian Flores around. So uh, they go into the season this year with a. Projected Vegas win total of nine. I was very sad because I wanted to dunk on Janu, but he was in fact graded as eighty three point two in PFF run blocking. So he was he was a very good run blocker. I <laughs> just want. I, why I, did you want to dunk on? So him? that wasn't a fist pump. That was a like darn. That was a darn. That was a dang it. That was a darn. I don't get to besmirch the man Janu Smith slash you. you. One one hundred percent. That is correct. Okay. The Dolphins were fifth in pace of play, eighth in pass attempts, but 22nd in points per game. Uh, they did not get it done. Eight, 30th in rushing yards. So we, we all remember what happened last year. It was a disaster. Uh, trying to watch these running backs piece their way through game after game, whether it's Salvin Ahmed or uh, Miles the gas man who ran oh, out of gas. Empty gas can. So, I mean, they kind of, they kind of reworked. Everything yep. in the offense. They went out and got a offensive-minded head coach, Mike McDaniel. Um, they picked up Tyreek Hill, a blockbuster acquisition. Uh, they get a second-year Jalen Waddle as part of this offense, and then you have Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sonny Michelle, just a re-roll of the running back room. So what's your sentiment about this offense heading into – 2022 are you optimistic like the Dolphins fans are 
No, I, I, oh. I think I well, not like the Dolphins fans are. I, I think it's going to be a good offense. Good, not great, is the way that I classify the Dolphins. I don't think that they are going to light the world on fire and they're going to be the next Chargers. Uh, I don't think Tua is going to be able to take that leap forward. I, I hope I'm wrong, unlike, you know, looking forward to the demise of Janu. Here, I want um, success. That's so weird. <laughs> but I just, I don't believe that Tua can run a high pace um you know like a, a successful offense that is uh putting up a ton of offensive points last year this was a team where you had a lot of dink and dunk with Jalen Waddle and that was successful to a degree and that doesn't remind you of uh any quarterback in San Francisco who had pretty good amount of success in this system sure but now with Tyreek Hill you know, you, sure. Bring. I'm bring, just saying, like Jimmy Garoppolo is the is the dink and dunk king over there in San Francisco. Would they bring him over? <laughs> no, but I'm saying like Tua is accurate and he's dinking and dunking, and that's what that's what this offense is. Do you think they're going to that he's going to run kind of a, a I mean, obviously it was a very run heavy team with the 49ers. Yes. Do you think that's the system they're going to do with the personnel here with Tyreek with Waddle and not you know. Uh, the 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 same level of run blocking you think that uh, you know because the Dolphins aren't known for their great offensive line here the, their offensive line got a massive upgrade they they got Armstead from New Orleans and they got Williams from Dallas like they've they've pieced things together I'm pretty optimistic I am I am as well because you have players that are I mean who's better after the catch than Tyreek Hill who's better after the catch than Jalen Waddle right so you, even Chase Edmonds I mean Chase Edmonds Look, Chase will probably always end up a better real-life player than a fantasy player. But for the purposes of moving the offense down the field, Chase Edmonds has been elite for his quarterback. And so when I look at making life easy on Tua, I see those three pieces plus a head coach that knows how to make life easy. So what that translates to, you know, this is a team with a lot more fantasy options that are being drafted than an offense like New England. Right, Chase is being drafted. Tyreek and Waddle, Gasicki, people have interest in him. Oh, don't do that. So, I I don't know. I don't know what to what that means for Tua, because he's not being drafted. I mean, he's he's somebody that you can pick up and stream, and maybe take maybe you stash him on your bench on a Sunday morning when the season begins. Because what if they unlock something powerful on offense here? Yeah, I would say don't let my optimism for the Dolphins and the the offensive weapons on the team that doesn't also correlate to me being like ecstatic for Tua, the fantasy quarterback. I just, I think that the player Tua will be able to handle this system and it's going to be set up for a tremendous amount of success. And there are plenty of examples in history where there are highly drafted, successful uh, skill position players where it didn't correlate to a great fantasy production from the quarterback position. So you might be saying, "Oh, like Jimmy well, Garoppolo last yeah, exactly, year, exactly. Right, exactly. where it was great for Debo and like Kittle was a tight end four. Debo was the wide receiver too. Yeah, Elijah and, Mitchell was a. I don't remember where he finished, but finished very high. Yeah, and 20, Tua right? is not going to be adding 500 rushing yards on the ground to help fantasy value. So um, I, I think my favorite piece here. I I really I really like Jalen Waddle because of the Tyreek trade people are forgetting just how good he was but I think my favorite piece lately and I have been getting him left right and center <laughs> there it oh, is yeah there three rounds is. is Chase Edmonds 
Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm in, man. I'm fully in, which I was so I'm anti in. Chase Edmonds last year and the last few years. Which phrase do you like more? Left, right, and center. Okay, hold on. Or, okay, because you've gone, yeah, to, that, no, you've gone left, to that a few left, times. Right, and center. Or sets the world on fire, which I think might be your new one. Mm. Which I know, I'm trying to really piece together what that means because it sounds devastating. Well, no, yeah, it's great. It it's yeah. great because it's you become the, them. Yeah, you become the king of the new burnt down world. Yes, mm. um, and you you raise it as you see fit. That's right. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take that because I think that's more productive. Okay, um, um, but my but point, you're drafting a lot of chase. I am drafting a lot of chase because Raheem Mostert. I don't think is going to be able to. He, he, you know, the health issues he's had, his age, and all of those things, I think he's going to be just a nice ancillary piece. When the offseason started, they went out and they got Chase. Yes. He was one of the first signings. This was from, you know, obvious, obviously uh, the head coach is very familiar in division with where Chase Edmonds has been. The scheme fit. Yeah, the speed. The scheme fit and the speed is perfect to be able to get a starting running back. Like, you, I'm very confident that he is the starter on this team. At the 8-9 turn, who can catch passes, that's just, uh, it feels like stealing. Tyreek Hill is a second-round pick right now. Oh, man. Jalen Waddle's a, a late fourth. Uh, he had the rookie record for receptions. I know you brought him up. You thought he's, you know, that's still pretty expensive. Wide receiver 16 off the board for Jalen Waddle. It's not like he is. I, I think what Jason was saying, that if Tyreek wasn't here, where's Jalen Waddle going? Like Jalen Waddle's probably being drafted in the second. I agree with that, but do you do you like Tyreek at his cost, or do you like Waddle at his cost? Because Tyreek is the wide receiver seven, and if he was still in Kansas City, he'd probably be the wide receiver two. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, uh, I would, I'm going with Waddle out of these two guys. I'll take s someone from a different team <laughs> with my second rounder. Okay, and then Mike Gesicki, Mike, you said it early. I'm out, man. Like O U T. This was I don't. This is franchise tag, Mike. Yeah, this is franchise tag. The no long term deal was worked out, and it just we, with the addition of of Tyreek Hill going into the system, I just I do not have faith that Gasicki will be a a, a twenty percent target share guy. Getting okay. just real bad vibes out of there. And then we move on to the uh, the New York Football Jets four and th oh, four and thirteen last year. And uh, the preseason win total was six and a half. It's five and a half for this year. So they are the most popular over bet right now. So they were four and five in one score games, which means they had nine of them amongst those uh, that troubling season. 12th in pace of play, 28th in points per game. Zach Wilson was not healthy throughout, and he was not good. Accurate. The defense was also terrible, and no offensive line was maybe worse for the purposes of protecting Zach Wilson, who was sacked often. Um, so we, we come into this year and you say, hey, you've equipped him. Brees Hall, best running back in the draft, mm -hmm. now in the backfield. Michael Carter was very effective in the passing game. Elijah Moore is there. Garrett Wilson was uh, drafted very, very highly and heralded. And you look at most people and they review the draft and they say the Jets had the best draft of anybody. So you have a lot of optimism with the pieces here. Mm -hmm. How far does that go? <laughs> it, and how do you draft the players around them in fantasy? I feel like it's grabbing a rock and seeing how far you can throw it 
But what it's size, a, what size of a rock? We like talking perfect about baseball size okay. rock. And I go to throw flat it, or round? Just a round. It's ba- oh. ba- I'm basically okay, it's not one of those flat it's, baseballs. It's, yeah, it's I'm throwing like a baseball. Well, um, why didn't you, why just did you say, say a baseball? baseball? Well, because in my mind, I'm standing at a lake, and I don't usually throw baseballs into lakes. Well, that's why I was asking, Are you trying? is this a skipping let's, stone? Let's see where he's going. Yeah, but when I throw it, it's the, the rock slash baseball <laughs> is tied onto like a 14-foot rope that is connected to my leg. That's what it feels like because is so it you're strong? throwing it, and then you want it to keep going, oh, keep going but, but it just snaps. It, it, is well, it, it strong enough to pull you in to the water? No, or it's a baseball. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> And my, my, no. Mike's having a real trouble. <laughs> my point here is I feel like the whole team, and this is the reason why I'm so kind of down on Zach Wilson, is because I love the pieces. I I just love this offense. Elijah Moore is so good. Garrett Wilson is so good. You, I, No one loves Brees Hall more than I do. And I want it all to work out well. And I'm I feel like when it doesn't, we all know the reason why. Um, so really, the the optimism that I have and the hope uh, in these beautiful rock baseballs is that um, Zach Wilson can take that leap, that he can become what they drafted him to be. I mean, yeah, and he can because it's been one season on a terrible football team. You know, it wasn't too different than what Trevor Lawrence went through last year, where both of these are number one and two pick, and they sure. looked they looked terrible. But that that has happened a lot in NFL history where, you know, you have you're giving him everything you can at the end of the year. If you want to dunk on Zach Wilson, that's fine. But before the season begins, it seems like, you know, he's got pieces. He's got weapons. He's got another year under his belt. He was hurt for part of last year. I'm not pretending he was good last year. Yeah. But I think that you don't bury a guy that was on a team that all the ancillary pieces were not helpful. Elijah Moore was hurt throughout last year. Your best running back was. You were running Tevin Coleman out there a lot. Well, Michael Carter was Carter. their best running back by the end they, of the year, but they were running Mike. They were running Tevin sure. Coleman out there every single week to start the season. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. What is the positive case for Zach Wilson? What let's say things go right for him, he levels up at the end of the year. We say Zach Wilson is the they got a franchise guy. Yeah. What are what are his stats? Four thousand and twenty five, and he and he keeps the interceptions down. Yeah, I can. Okay. I mean, because he started last year with like seven picks in the first three games and he only threw four the rest of the way. So you got to control that. You go out there and you go 25 and 14 and you throw for 4,000 yards and you're, you're better than six win team. So to me, the good case for Zach Wilson, 4,025, which that fantastic, but that you try to split that up between Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, uh, a rookie Garrett Wilson. You know, you're you're not splitting up forty five hundred and thirty five, uh, four thousand and twenty five as the, as the bullish case, just seems like you're going to be disappointed with a lot of the receiving options. Now, if that comes through and the offense is is good and he's a future franchise guy, obviously, Brees Hall seems set. You know that he probably had a great season, but I just don't see the receiving options working out well in redraft leagues uh, for this season. For this season. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it for sure. I mean, Jimmy G obviously missed a few games. He was he threw twenty touchdowns last year. You, you're going to need a lot of work done. And Vegas obviously obviously doesn't see this team making the leap this year. It's a tough division. You play New England twice. You play Buffalo twice. You play Miami twice. I mean, it's the most brutal division to be in. So even if you project 
a better future for the Jets, it could be the same this season. So for Brees Hall going in the fourth round, Jay, you're good with that ADP? He's an auto pick for me in the fourth okay. round. I, I, I am, I'm very happy to take him in the fourth. Like in the running back dead zone, at least you're getting, you're getting youth, you're getting athleticism, and we don't know yet for sure. We don't know what the, the plan is for Brees Hall. But to me, when you – and they – did they trade up? I, I, now I have a memory of them moving up a yeah, couple They moved picks. up a pick or something. They moved, like up up, uh, moved up a couple picks to make sure they got Brees Hall. It came out after the draft that they work trying to get back into the first round to get Brees Hall. Uh, so they, this was, they desired him to be on the team. He has a three-down skill set, and I think that that's very possible that he, week one – he has a three-down set, even if, a, even if it's a bad team and Zach Wilson doesn't fully utilize checking it down to the running back, that's still massive volume for, for a young guy in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, rookie running backs with his profile, they do well. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of red flags here, but if you're saying, you know, the, the offensive line is better than what Najee had last year, if you're saying, like, the biggest red flag is Michael Carter? Well, no, the biggest red flag is that they are going to win four games. They ran the ball less than anybody in football last year, and you're going to be playing from behind constantly. So if he doesn't get a lot of third down, you've got a first and second down running back on one of the lowest scoring teams in football who's playing from behind. I mean, they gave up more points than anybody in football last year on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so that's that's the worst case for me. That's that's why when you've got a, a a back like this with great production, also in the receiving game, it's you know you you hope and maybe that's where the Michael Carter fears come in because he is a capable pass catcher as well. You hope that if they're down, they're still involving Brees Hall in the offense because he is one of their best playmakers, and so if he's involved in the passing game, he'll he'll be a great pick. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore, both eighth-round yeah. picks right now. People are basically flipping a coin and deciding which one to take. As of right now, I'm going to go. I'll go with Elijah Moore. Targeted on 24% of his routes. That's the tenth best among rookie wide receivers since 20, uh, 2014. And yes, like I, I can, I can make an outstanding case against Elijah Moore, mostly because Zach Wilson wasn't there for the production for Elijah Moore. It was other and Garrett Wilson wasn't there. Right, but. We know that he can ball. Like there were no Wilsons around when Moore was doing this. Exactly, but like just watch watch some tape of Elijah Moore. He's good, and second year wide receivers, they off like running backs with Brees Hall's profile. They do well. Second year wide receivers, they often do very well as as well. Uh, so <laughs> I would take him well over Wilson. All's well point. that ends well. Yes, for Elijah Moore, hopefully. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Basketball Breakdown, presented by Underdog Fantasy. 
All right, so today on our, our best ball breakdown, we are looking at the last round of your best ball drafts. It often feels like it's like a throwaway pick. You're in the 18th round. There's names of you you're know, exhausted. <laughs> you know, there's names of guys you you don't necessarily like. But we did a deep dive and we looked at best ball rosters over the last seven years and guys that are going past pick 200. So basically, that last round. And some of these players over the last few years have been absolute steals. You got in 2018, James Conner uh, was drafted at the 200. Was awesome. You have players, um, Hunter Renfro last year was on average the 222nd drafted player. He finished as a top 12 wide receiver. Terry McLaurin back in 2019, uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. And so from last year, you have Cordero Patterson, Elijah Mitchell, Daryl Williams, Hunter Renfro, Kendrick Bourne, Tim Patrick at tight end, Dawson Knox, Dalton Schultz. These guys were massive different makers for best ball leagues and that was in your last round so we wanted to give you some names of guys that fit what these last round guys uh the steals this the steals so the difference makers so at at uh running back right uh you want guys that maybe an injury ahead of them vault them forward and they have pass catching in their profile here's some running backs that fit that in the last round Jarek McKinnon, sure, uh, he's been available there from time to time. He dominated in the playoffs, averaged basically 100 all-purpose yards last year, and that was with Clyde Edwards-Alaire there. Chris Evans. That, that's a name I like to bring up. Uh, Chris Evans from the Cincinnati Bengals heading into year two. I mean, he's this is these are low probability odds, but again, it's your last pick in best ball. He was a six-round pick, so the draft capital is not there. But the way that things are being talked about, at least for you know beat reporters and things out of Cincinnati, should Joe Mixon miss time, it sounds like Chris Evans will be the primary replacement. Again, we we talk about insurance running backs. It's hard to know right now exactly who it'll be. But as of this recording, it seems like Evans will be the one that takes over. And when you're in best ball and you know in these tournaments and things, you just you, you kind of need everything to go right. Yeah, uh, he. I think he would be a, a, a dominating uh, running back given the opportunity. You have Eno Benjamin uh, from the Cardinals. Daryl Williams drafted way, way, way above him, and and I think Daryl Williams will have that job. Yeah, Andy, are you still that? Darryl I think Daryl will probably get it. I do too. Yeah, I mean that. That I mean, as the drafters do as well. But it's not a lock. That's not a done deal. Who the backup is? If you listen to beat reporters around the Cardinals, uh, Dearness Johnson. Fits that with two guys ahead of him that could get injured. And Tyler Beatty. We've, yeah. We've talked about him uh, recently. Baltimore. Dude looks like a Beatty. Wah-ha! Wah-ha! <laughs> um, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's my only contribution to this well, entire mean, segment. Look, look, I mean, you know, I I love Aerosmith <laughs> very much. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Dude Looks Like a Beatty. Um, <laughs> it, would that be like an official nickname? Like, I, I don't know, man. Tyler He's Dude Looks Like, like his nickname is Dude Looks Like? Yeah! A baby. Um, but, you know, Baltimore, a lot of injury worries with J.K. Dobbins, even with Gus Edwards, uh, rookie running back there. So the wide receivers, uh, there's usually five wide receivers per year above expectation. Those are most commonly second-year wide receivers who bottomed yes. out in year one. Rookies drafted third round or later in the NFL draft, but who can start right away. And veteran wide receivers who never broke out but are younger than 27 years old. Here's a list. Write them down. 
Terrace Marshall Jr.? No. Unless you're did, driving. Did you yeah, yeah. Yeah, stay safe out there. Did you put Terrace Marshall on this list or was that Kyle? You know it was Kyle. Kyle is the biggest Terrace Marshall fan. I feel like this this entire tip and segment was crafted just to make us talk about Terrace Marshall Jr. And but we're done with that part. We are done with that part. Why don't yeah! both of you guys give me your favorite <laughs> late round wide receiver target? So with with the late picks, I I preferred the the young, the upside guys. Um, so like it doesn't feel great at this point, but like Valus Jones for the Chicago Bears was a second round pick. There is a huge opportunity for the Chicago Bears in terms of can anyone on that offense other than Darnell Mooney as a pass catcher step up? Because I mean they're having like just tons of off the field problems. They don't. No one's locked into that second wide receiver spot. So throughout the season. Velas could be that guy, and Jalen Guyton's been getting or third the third round pick. Thank Jalen Guyton in Los Angeles has been getting headlines recently, um, just how he's coming into the season. Everyone wants Josh Palmer; he's going much higher. But Jalen Guyton, especially in a best ball format, when you're going to get what he's got, which is speed, you're going to get those incredible sixty yard back foot. Justin Herbert, yeah, blow your mind, and that's going to be. Guyton on the other end. Yeah, hundred percent. And and um, you know, you brought up Valus Jones. You could stack him pretty easily with yeah. with uh, Fields. Fields and and Zay Jones. They gave Zay Jones a lot of money. They and, did. You know, it's he's going to be involved. This isn't like the you're not going to get the sixty yard touchdown as often. But I do think he will have uh, plenty of weeks that can crack your lineup for a last uh, a last round guy. And finally, tight ends. Tight ends. You're looking for an opportunity in a good offense. Can they hit eight touchdowns? Um, you know, is, is that possible in their range of outcomes? Moali Cox. It would, well, hold on. Like in one game? <laughs> right, yes. I mean, then if, if anyone on this list can hit eight touchdowns in one game, it would be Gigantor Moali I think if Cox. a man that big scores, they count it as eight touchdowns. Yeah, when you can spike the ball into the ground. Um. Here's another name I like. I, I think I stand alone. Is it Janu? No, of course it's not Janu. <laughs> How dare you? Um, no, it's it's OJ Howard. Um, okay. Nobody wants him. He's behind. You know, Dawson Knox is the. You, you might be saying OJ Howard. Where? Who? Who's he playing for? He's a Buffalo Bill. Uh, oh, I'm, him and Evan Ingram. They can make up your like tandems. Yeah. So I just think you know if I want a quarterback that's going to throw thirty five touchdowns right josh yeah. kate, kate otten in tampa bay fit that kate otten i mean could, I, yeah i think the obviously gronk is gone he's not coming back mm -hmm. and we've seen the cameron braid experiment experiment and it's not a it's not a special one anymore yeah i would i would throw kate otten in there brevin jordan is another name i would take brevin over cade personally that's that's tough I yeah, mean, if you're saying who's probably twice as many touchdowns thrown by yeah, Mr. But, Thomas, I mean, exactly. I'll, I, I will not bet on rookie tight ends. It is tough to bet. I will on not do that, ends. especially but, ones that are not drafted in the first round. Okay, or the, right. or the second round. Any other names? Or the third round? Uh, you could maybe draft Taysom Hill and hope that maybe he gets some quarterback uh, play in there. <laughs> no. Okay. No. All right. I will not. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. 
Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. That is going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Don't forget we're back with a Saturday release of the show before we get to five days a week in August. Thank you so much for tuning in, supporting the show at jointhefoot.com. Make sure you check out the Ultimate Draft Kit at ultimatedraftkit.com. Until next time, Mike Wright, Jason Moore, Andy Holloway, and the Deucers, farewell. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. Join our fantasy football community on jointhefoot.com. And follow us on Twitter at the FF Ballers.